Hello, Robin. Hello, Trev. How you doing, sir? You all right? Oh, very good. Thank you. Very good. Been out for Sunday lunch. Stomach is bloated. Lovely. I feel like I may do a little bit of exorcist vomit myself after the amount of food I've eaten. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of WN Movie Talk Podcast, formerly known as We Need to Talk About Movie Podcast. Podcast. Uh, it's just a podcast where myself and my brother get together Hello. and chat shit for a couple of hours about a film in particular, usually just one film we choose, but we always have a bit of a conversation, a film in between and beforehand. Just in general, just in general. Um, you can, not only can you listen to us on this podcast, you can also check us out over on the YouTubes or on the Facebooks, the Instagrams and the TikToks. We do all of those things. Over on TikTok, I've been doing the uh, little short videos of... Um, Six degrees of movie separation. I know, I've seen them. Put a fair few of those up. Yeah, yeah. And they're they're on the YouTubes as well. You can go on the YouTubes and have a look at those. Um, But also on the YouTube, I do quick edited videos. Like I cut these podcasts down to about 20 minutes long, put some lovely images of the film over the top. You do. Put those up as well. You're hardworking. You're hardworking. We actually had a comment on one the other day, Robin. Oh, did we really? Yeah, on the Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Do you want to hear it? Oh, I don't know. Do I? Yeah, I don't know. Do you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's go for it. It says... The logs on the train was how the West was won. The Wild Bunch was 1969. What is this? The Brit Wanker Twits. Bonnie and Clyde was 1967. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Did you reply? I did. I said, thanks for pointing out our discrepancies. We are guilty of talking blindly on without referring to our notes. (laughs) (laughs) We're just human. We're enthusiasts. We're not... Proper critics. So tonight, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, tonight's film is the 1973 controversial horror classic, The Exorcist. Ellen Bernstein, Linda Blair and Jason Miller and Max von Sydow, directed by William Friedkin, uh, based on a book by William Peter Blatty. We haven't done a horror film for a while. We keep talking about horrors. We've done The Predator last. That was not really... I wouldn't call Predator a horror as such, would you, Robin? It's more of an action horror, sci-fi. Pre- yeah, yeah, a sci-fi. I guess they called it a sci-fi horror around the time, didn't they, originally? Hmm. But, yeah. This is more horror to me. It's like, like your supernatural horrors. I've been quite into it at the moment. Yeah. I've, I've been listening to a, a podcast, a couple of podcasts on, on or BBC Sounds, all about hauntings, and it, it's just got me into this. So this week, um, I know I like to ask you what films you've watched, usually to start the ball rolling, Robin, but I'm just going to tell you now, it's just off of the back of listening to these scary, ghostly podcasts, me and Donna this week have watched Paranormal Activity 1, 2, and 3. What? My God. There's more. There's more. I was thought, I'm going to just see how we get on with them. Because when the first one came out, I really enjoyed it. Mm. Well, before it came out, we'd watched a load of films at Halloween one year, and none of them scared us. We Googled the scariest horror films, and they was all crap. Uh, and then I went to the cinema, and in the cinema there was this little, in the magazine, small paragraph saying uh, a film called Paranormal Activity is causing a stir at the festival. Mm. So we was like, what's that? And we Googled it, found it online, downloaded it, invited friends around to watch it. And I tell you what, every time it went to night, not a lot happens, but God, it did give us all the creeps. It was really creepy watching it. But as we've revisited the second one, it uh, it just doesn't make sense. You're like, why are you filming this now? Because it's sort of like found footage, isn't it? And then the second one is like, why are they filming everything? Why are they filming that? And then the third one tells the prequel story, and it's supposed to be 1988, and it just looks like the 90s, you know, the noughties. <laughs> and it's like they haven't made any effort to make it look old. They probably put a Rubik's Cube in the background somewhere. And it just doesn't make sense to what they sort of the story was in the first one. It's fucked up. So I haven't got around to watching any more. <laughs> it's all stopped there. So, before we get talking about The Exorcist, Robin, I've mentioned a couple of the films I've watched. Have you watched any movies this week? Yes. I haven't. I'm afraid I haven't. This week has been uh, pretty sport-orientated, to be fair. Cricket World Cup, Rugby World Cup, 
uh, Rugby Women's World Cup. It's all been going off. Um, uh, so uh, live football. So yeah. So unfortunately, I haven't watched a single movie. Ah, well, apart from, of course, the one we're about to talk about. Yeah. Well, I've I've watched a couple this week. I watched Respect, uh, which was the um, Aretha Franklin story. R E S P E C T. The panda, what does that mean one. to me? R E S P E C T. Take out T C P. Suck to me, 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 suck to me. Respect, just a little bit. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, watch that. Was it good? Yeah, quite. It was all right. Who who played who played the Rufa Franklin in that? Jennifer Hudson. I don't recognise her. From I think she's done other stuff, probably, but I don't know who that is. She's not anyone I'm sort of uh, familiar with. I don't think, but mm. yeah, she was good. It, it was sort of set to the backstage of backdrop of American politics and like you know, yeah, how things uh, was she was she heavily political? I mean, apart from the fact that obviously she was black through that era. Yeah, I think she was. Um, you know, and you, you get a bit with. Uh, like when Martin Luther King is assassinated and that. And well, it's quite interesting watching uh, her life. I mean, she came from a sort of, a, her father was a priest. You know, they had loads of people come to parties at their house. Sam Cooke, Ella Fitzgerald, you know, all the big names from that era. As you when do. When she was like a child, <laughs> she was sort of surrounded by those people. And she always wow. wanted to be the best. It's, it's quite good. And it sort of tells the story of how she's, singled out by her father from her sisters and things and it, it was quite interesting it was quite good um i missed the end though because i had to go and pick Jaden up from something i think she dies doesn't she <laughs> she does but i don't think we got that far ahead i don't think they even reached the blues does, does it does it go to that point in her life no it's I just mean, I think you know it's sometimes just... they don't and I, I i sometimes have more respect for a film when they just do a block an era bit rather than drag bits. Yeah, that's all it done. It's do- sort of done her rise and fall and then her sort of, where she she comes back again. Was it she done a concert in a church and they made yeah. a, a live well, video how, of that? And that how was, did Aretha Franklin fall? What was her fall? Uh, alcohol, abuse and, was yeah, it? and she just, right. too young cast into the limelight, I think. And Yeah, yeah. But yeah, her. I mean, she had incredible longevity, and she sort of lost. She lost her faith, and she lost her. You know, yeah. She just lost sight of herself and who she was. I think. I mean, I saw a video of her. I came up on YouTube not that long ago. I suppose she was quite old. I think it was probably one of her last performances. She had a big woolly, big coat on on stage. But even then, I mean, good God, incredible, incredible. She mm. belted it out. It's just unbelievable. I can't remember what the song was, but it was just, yeah. And you you kind of see someone like that, and you just think, "Wow!" Imagine being a being, you know, seeing her live yeah. at any point in her career, yeah. being able to say that you've been there, done that. Incredible, such power. Yeah. Um, and then the other film I watched was one that you said about watching. Go on. And I said, "Oh, I'm going around to watch it with a mate." Oh yes. All quiet on the Western Front. The new yeah. The new version. Uh, yeah, brilliant. Well, you didn't finish it because we didn't start it till late and it's like three hours long. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, but the war ends. The war has ended, actually, at the point where we are. <laughs> oh, you are very close to the end then. About 45 minutes away. Really? Yeah. Oh, Christ, yeah. But yeah, it's have, really good. Have you read the book? I've not read the book. I've seen the original film. Oh, read the book. But Yeah. Read the book. All right, I might listen to I it. I have memories of sitting on my toilet crying reading that book. It was a hell of a shit, wasn't it? It was. It was a moving, it was a, <laughs> it was a very moving experience. And um, I shifted a lot that night. But No, it, it is. I mean, the film, it cuts to it, doesn't it? It's harrowing from the outset, really. It is. Um, I actually felt off the book to the, I was, I was worried about watching this film. Because if it goes close to the descriptive elements in the book, it's going to be pretty, pretty heavy. Mm. And I actually felt, not relieved isn't the right word, but sort of I felt it didn't quite impact the way I feared it might. No. It kind of, I mean, it was pretty graphic. Yeah, Christ, wasn't it? I mean, it's amazingly done. But I, I think what I'm, I think they sort of managed to steer clear of just too much gore, mm. too much blood, too much limbs flying around live action stuff. 
Yeah. You know, you come, you know what I mean? It, it kind of It's happens, more the emotional but, impact of it all, isn't it? Than the, oh, than absolutely. The it's not Mel Gibson directed this, Robin. Oh, Christ. Flamethrower. <coughs> music blasted. Well, I mean, the there was the flamethrowers and that, but it's like, it's, it's horrible when you see all that, but it's all done at a distance. and Exactly. But think about, and, and that's what I mean. You know, you think about the way that we watched the Mel Gibson film with the flamethrowers. Hacksaw Ridge. You, you think about that and the, the graphic and the glorious music playing over it as they're burning light alive and stuff. And you think about the way that the flamethrowers and the tanks were used in this one. I mean, there's one pretty particular grim moment with the tanks, but apart from that, you know, it's the impact. It is like you said, it's the emotional level. It's the emotional impact of the book that just blew my mind. It's, it's, if I was to get, say, you know, uh, one of the top five books I've ever read, that's in there. Without a shadow yeah. of a doubt. Oh, I need to have a look. Because it just, yeah. It then, well, yeah. I got a copy of it, so. Um, cool, I might just find, I need a book. I listen to books when I drive to work, so I might see if I can find an audio book of it and just mm. have a listen. Yeah. I mean, it is it is really powerful, and, and I think this film was pretty good. Yeah, so I've watched quite a few films this week, Wob. So, there you go. Yeah, That's what I've watched. yeah, cool. Uh, we didn't throw a question out to the uh, list, listeners this week. Because um, I'm trying to cut down. I, when I edit these, they're usually like one hour and 50 minutes long and I've got to try and cut them down to an hour and it drives me nuts. And uh, <laughs> it takes me ages. So let's try and keep it concise. Concise? <laughs> yeah. Well, you said about blocking things into sort of different elements. Yeah, yeah. So let's give that a go. Let's so see how that will. goes. So we are talking about The Exorcist as we've mentioned, mm. released mm. December 26, 1973. A nice Christmas film. A nice film for Christmas. I it? love it. It's about religion, so... Yeah, yeah. You know, it's got Christ in it, I suppose. Yeah. But I was watching this film this time, Robin, and I was thinking, it's 13 years after Psycho came out. Right. And you think when Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho came out, it was... It changed everything, you know. It was a, a frightening film. People were... Much the same as they said with this, you know, fainting in the eyes. It's causing hysteria. Yeah. And you think that when the Psycho was being made, it was going backwards and forwards to the censors. And there was like, right, we need you to cut out that shot of the toilet flushing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People may take offence. And now you've gone from that to this in 13 years. How did it get <laughs> from there to this? Because there's scenes in this where you think... Wow, you know, 1973. It's no wonder people were shocked by it, is it? Uh, yeah, and, and this is the this is the thing I have to hold in my mind when I watch this film because I'm a massive advocate of of campaigning for the very first people that went out, stepped outside the box, and did stuff like this. Always because it's easy to kind of make things after this that are in the same vein or potentially have elements of it that could be better because. They've had time to reflect and improve on things and effects and so on and so on. But this must have been at the time groundbreaking. It, it clearly threw people in a way that they hadn't been used to before yeah. in terms of watching films and what it was about and the subject matter and some of the language. And, you know, I, I sort of looked at it and I, I think I've seen more. I've never seen this before. But I've seen spoofs of it yeah. and bits of it. I mean, it crops up all over the place. It's in um, The Spy Who Shagged Me, isn't it? There's a bit where he's spinning in the chair and he's 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 talking about the bit where it's the power that Christ compels you or something, isn't it? That bit. <laughs> and so I was watching it sort of almost tongue-in-cheek at times thinking, oh, my God, this is... For me, it was... I laughed at the... the Some of the, the effects. The demonistic bits and the fuck off, shove it up your ass and all this stuff. I've just... It kept making me laugh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, but you know i can imagine i'm sure at the time i'm sure yeah it it, it had a, a very different effect because people had not seen stuff like this it was not what you would be used yeah. to and i mean it's all physical effects and stuff isn't it oh. you know now I've, i think you see like with jaws as well about how good effects have got there's never been a, a shark film as good as Jaws. No, and no, I think absolutely. very similar with The Exorcist. There's never been an Exorcist film that sort of... No. It, I mean, it's the, well, the thing is, it's based on 
the book by William Peter Blatty, uh, which I listened to this, that this week as well while I was watching. Yeah, I was listening to that before I realised it was on, the film was on BBC iPlayer, mm. so I was halfway through it and I was like, oh right, ideal. But I mean, it's it's not schlocky at all, is it? It's not trying to be a horror. It's a drama. It's a mystery. It's oh, loads of things. Yeah, you know. Well, he's a, he was a, the director. Friedkin. Friedkin. He was a he was a documentary director as well, wasn't he? He previously? was. That's how he started his career. Yeah. 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 So they kind of, kind of came from it from almost a doc, you know, that sort of element, wasn't it? And, yeah. And no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you think Poltergeist wasn't that far after, was it? No, seventies. Am I right? No, no, Poltergeist two, something like that. It might have been eighty two. Was it really that far back? It might have been nineteen eighty. And you know, Poltergeist, but there's one that keeps coming up on my YouTube. Um, uh, recommendations about a f- everybody's reviewing it. It's this clown film that's out at the moment, mm. and it's meant to be, be hideous. And you know, it's things like the extreme shockers and uh, the things that you know, the constant jumps, scares, and things. Whereas with this one, you know, like when the priest goes and sits in there with the demon laying on the bed, and the drawer opens, and he goes, "Did you do that?" And it's like, you know, that's like, well, that's not scary, is it? But it is, and it. And it was, but in a different way. It was subtly done. Yeah, the documentary element to it, and and the and the lack of over the top shocks or or trying to j- jump factors. It's very gets in your head. It's more psychological, isn't it? It's, yeah, she's yeah. it's a mother whose daughter. You know, it's it's like having an illness, but something that they can't pin it down. I mean, that's the thing as well. They looking at it psychologically. All the the specialists and that coming in. And- Absolutely. And, and like I said, you know, with us these, these days, we've been through so many films in the last 30 years yeah. or 40 years, 40 years since this was 73. So nearly 50, 50. years, 50 years. It was next literally, year. Yeah. So 50 years. And you think about the number of films we've seen in the past 50 years that have built upon this or taken it further or, just gone to more extremes and then you think about the access to social media and youtube and you know now it's these constant fly uh, video uh, 30 seconds snippets that we get sort of impacted with it's impossible unless you were there it's impossible to put yourself in the audience of this film at that time yeah and think how it impacted on people then because we've been so desensitized, aren't we, to these things? Whereas then that stuff would have been pretty out there. Oh yeah, completely. It's one of those films I wish I could see, not just see for the first time, but like you say, see it from that context, from that perspective. Yeah, with that mindset. Yeah, I did get to see it at the cinema when it was first, because I can't quite remember how it all worked, but I remember Channel Five were playing loads of films that had been banned. And mm. I don't know how they was doing it, but they'd found a loophole and they was like showing natural born killers and showing the clockwork orange. And I think they realized this was happening, Warner Brothers, and somehow they were like, right, we've got to get this back on the cinema and cash in on this before it gets to the TV. So they re-released it at the cinema. The ban got lifted and I suppose censorship must have got slacker i don't know how i don't know the ins and outs but i remember going with our brother richard to watch it at the cinema hello rich and like you were saying i remember it not you know there was bits i was thinking oh that looks awful this isn't scary you know and i didn't know if i enjoyed the film or not the first time i watched it It wasn't until i got it back Mm. on dvd there was it was good it was i mean the it's just a a great sca- a soundscape in this film and it's lit it's yeah. filmed it yeah. is great but i think i was expecting something else or yeah you know i wasn't as frightened as i was hoping i would be but i think the more i've watched this film and read the books and what have you the more i've mm. I, it grow it's grown on me and I, it is a great film well there's a bit a- there's a bit that i think um was cut out of the first film with the priest sitting on the stairs and they've put it back in because they did the Blu-ray edition, didn't they? And they put the extra bits back in because they they fell out over it, didn't they? I, oh, Blatty and uh, William Friedkin. Yeah. I, I don't want Wade to judge me, but th- there was a, there was an element of, they took certain bits out of the film that he had written in 
felt that they were really important, but they were taken out by the director. And there was a bit where they're on the sitting on the stairs and they just have a general con- they're having a conversation. And he says, "Why something like why does he do why 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 is this happening or, or something?" And, I, and they said, "Oh, it's to do or why did they choose the girl or something?" In there, and he said, "It's about the despair." Mm. And that's really important because then you start to think about it slightly differently. I thought because you then start to sort of I've just put yourself in more into the character's position. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the, and I I think that was the problem for me when I watched it is I didn't really care much for any of the characters yeah thought the vicar the priest was a priest i just don't care the mum was a actress who kind of was a bit well to do yeah the daughter was nice and then wasn't because she was possessed and i and i just didn't really get pulled in enough but then with that one little remark about you know oh it's it's about the despair element to it that that kind of made me think about it differently slightly and that's probably where the book's better because it would take you more into the the despair of the parent, the despair of the priest, oh, the despair, you know. Yeah. yeah. And and I didn't get that from the film, perhaps. Well, the, the book the first as time. well, what really works well in the book is that as it's going on, you've got the detective, um, oh, yeah, Kinderman, yeah. who's a great character. And in the book, he's even, he's even greater. He's just, he seems like this fumbling idiot when he's talking to them. Yeah. But then you realise he's tripping people up without them realising. Yeah. He's creating responses that he wants to get the answers he wants. But the sort of the servant, Carl. Yeah. So he's the one that the the, the guy is accusing of being a Nazi. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. He is like the prime suspect, basically. Yeah. The detective's okay. like, right, he's, you know, he's got the motive because the bloke didn't like him. Yeah. Yeah. He's sneaked off he sneaks off as well when the murder happens and his time isn't accounted for and he catches him at and when reagan makes the bird at the beginning for her mum Mm. and the detective comes by to the house in the book he's looking at the bird and he scrapes some of the paint off of the bird yeah and then goes back and examines it and it's the paint that was found at the desecrated altars at the black mass right so it all like links to the house and like basically to Carl. So you've got that as you're reading the book, you're like, oh, is it him? Is he like, you know? And there's all these other elements that are going on. Uh, Wish I'd read the book beforehand, I think, actually on this one. I think they've just cut that out because it's, to make a, you've got to make a film more concise. Yeah, they? yeah, absolutely, yeah. And that's clearly why they did it. But then they, they've obviously, they added a few bits in, didn't they, but back in for the sort of 40 year yeah, there is a, an extended version, isn't there? Mm. Um, there's that spider walk down the stairs as well. Did you see that? I've seen the deleted scenes. I've never seen it in the <laughs> cut into the film. No, I, I, I likewise. I, it was like the spider walk because I actually had to go back and watch the version that I watched and thought, did I just was I asleep or something when that bit happened? Did I miss that? In the, <laughs> no. And then I was like, oh no, I see it. It's, yeah, because it came up on my YouTube. But um, pieces, I didn't feel massively invested in the characters no in, enough for it to, to to really work but i think if i'd i think the book would do that it's kind of a little bit like um uh red dragon yeah um i read the book red dragon and i love that book and i was blown away yeah me too by yeah. some of the the thought processes and the act you know what was going on behind the physical stuff that you could see the thoughts and the processes and stuff and then i watched the film and just thought well it just can't do that can it can't get no, you there it, can't it doesn't get, get you there the and, and um you know that's always a danger with films and maybe maybe reading the exorcist the book would, would would fill those gaps in for me yeah because with the priest as well i mean it is the priest's story really yes and more so in the book it's it's all about his his redemption he's lost faith mm. and it's yeah him finding that faith and you know so much so that when she's like comes to him for an exorcism he's like well, it can't be because that sort of thing isn't real, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And he's the one who can't yeah. believe it, he's, and he's yeah, looking he's for saying, the evidence. No, that's he's not like, a no, thing. No. Yeah, but this obviously takes him back towards his his exactly. Faith. He, he redeems himself in the end, and he saves the girl basically, yeah. doesn't he? But in in the book, spoiler, he doesn't. <laughs> as he lunges on the devil, he doesn't go, "You son of a bitch." <laughs> <laughs> which i think every film in the 70s had to have that line as they uh 
it face is. off against yeah, there with a punch following <laughs> it. <laughs> Son of a bitch! <laughs> yeah. To go back right back to the start of the film, though, I love the start of the film. There's no big credit sequence, and then it starts in Iraq with Max von Sydow. Yeah, and he finds the the demon like artifact, doesn't he? Yeah, the demonic artifact. But Max von Sydow, that makeup, it's it's pretty impressive because I was convinced that's what he looked like. Yeah. I didn't realise he was in his 40s at that time and they'd made him up. He was a lot younger, wasn't he? And they made him look like he does when he was a lot older. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it was good. I've seen old makeup in films before and you can sort of see it's rubber. Yeah. But that was pretty impressive, the makeup in the film. I love, I, I got to say, that, that bit for me, <laughs> it was the bit where the three Iranians were hammering. I was just like racket. There was a racket. I, I would like to cut that into some sort of meme. Because <laughs> I just oh, it's impressive stuff. But uh, that's what I mean. That's what I mean about the soundscape. Yeah, because he's there just trying to get his thoughts. He's had, and in the book, it sort of explains that he's had a premonition. Whereas you've got to make that judgment yourself in this. You've got to realise that's what he's thinking. But I just love the way all the sounds sort of fade in and build up and then cut out and that opening like a rack sequence i just thought it was it was good yeah, really well done. it was really well done but it's also it was really clever as well because it does the minute it goes you sort of drop it it has no relevance yeah, until he comes back later and then it, and then the connections are made for me yeah because he is the exorcist it's yeah his. exactly and it was literally like what was that about oh well and then you kind of get carried yeah. away with the rest of the film and the girl and the blah, 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 the priest. And then he comes back in and you go, oh, that's what that was all about. It was, you know, yeah. Oh, now it all ties in. Yeah. For me, that's when I kind of really sort of thought, oh, yeah, I re remember that bit now. Because it kind of, yeah, it sort of, well, it was quite a fair, fair bit at the start of the film, wasn't it? It's quite sort of, not slow pace, but steadily just trickling along, telling the story and then disappears for a yeah. bit. Yeah, it's a good 10, 15 minutes start, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, he finds the old Pazuzu. The old demon, Pazuzu. Is that what he's called? That's what he's yeah. called, yeah. What an excellent day for an exorcism. L Linda Blair, you, absolute props to her for, for this role. She is great. In, and I know she's under makeup again. And Dick Smith's makeup it is pretty pretty cool. And when mm. you see, I don't know if you've seen any of the documentaries. No, I, I picked up a, little, a few bits. I saw a bit where they were talking about her. The director was worried about obviously having a child doing a lot of the things within this. And he interviewed mm. something like 500 girls. I mean, Wade might tell me we're wrong on this one. But he, he sorry, <laughs> Wade. He interviewed. Well, yeah, he's an exaggerator when he's in. Yeah. <laughs> in um, interviews. But, and then he, she came along and she said something like, um, oh, I, I know about this story because it's about a girl who's possessed by a demon and then she masturbates with a crucifix yeah see this and he looked and he said he looked at his mom and his uh, uh, mum and her mum was laughing and he thought oh she'll be all right <laughs> yeah i don't know that that's true because it, that story has changed over the years yeah no doubt yes yeah. and that's something he's grown and it's something that linda blair you know she's in an interview saying she all she had was a crucifix and they had like a a tub and a sponge a bloody sponge yeah. that she had to just keep stabbing and she said she didn't know what she no, was doing exactly and I, yeah <laughs> i saw a little bit of the way they did a lot of the filming around that and it it did look like actually they'd done a good job of protecting her from perhaps a lot of actually what was going on because obviously the de demonic voice was all over the top of her anyway there was another girl, wasn't there, that they used, like an older woman yeah. who's like small like a child, who they used for a lot of the scenes yeah. and things that they thought might be a bit too yeah. much for her. But they didn't use that small woman when they put Linda Blair in the rig and was thrashing her about in the bed. Yes. And I think, you see, I get thrown around. I would be worried sick if that was my child. Didn't, she, didn't, I don't it, think didn't the it break or something that hurt her back? Isn't that a... It did, yeah. It done <laughs> back. And the same with um, Ellen Bernstein mm. when Reagan slaps her and they yank her across yeah, the Yeah, she falls back against the and, wall, doesn't she? But yeah, that... there's the Fear of God um, documentary, Mark Kermode's sort of love story to the, to the Exorcist because it's famously his favourite film. Right, okay. But Ellen Bernstein says in the interview, interviewed in that and she says, um, 
I said to Billy, look, you can't do it this hard. You, you're going to hurt me. And he's like, yeah, but it's got to look real. And she says, yeah, but I am going to get hurt. This could cause me serious damage. And he said, he turned to the, like the stunt guy, the coordinator, and he said, okay, don't do it so hard next time. And she said, as she turned around, she could just sense them exchanging looks. <laughs> and the, the, the stunt guy in the same documentary says, yeah, and Billy said, Give it to him. Yeah, because he liked the... <laughs> I mean, again, maybe that's come from his uh, doc, uh, Freakin's documentary element, where he liked the realism. He, yeah, he's no good at waiting for actors to get to the point that he wants them. Yeah, but he slapped the priest, didn't he? <laughs> he did slap that, the priest. To, to make him... At the end. And he was, it, that's what made his hands shake so much, because he was like, Jesus, I've just... <laughs> he had shotguns hidden all around the set that he'd fire into people's ears. Yeah crazy guy mental <laughs> necessary you know i mean you wouldn't get away with it now would you no but i mean the same with the um uh the french connection yeah basically they didn't close off any of the streets of that stunt drive through have you seen the french connection yeah, where he chases yeah. the train he's under the train yeah. uh, and he's chasing him through the, the, the streets basically william friedkin just got a camera got the stunt driver and like come on just speed down there. That's insane, <laughs> just, isn't it? You think about yeah. that now. I mean, I oh, couldn't do that. That's now. insane. That's absolutely insane. But again, the, yeah, the French Connection has that sort of documentary feel to it as well. It's very. Uh, I didn't think he'd done quite a lot of films since this, but I think he has constantly worked. Um, but did he ever hit William Friedkin? Did he ever hit the the sort of high He's notes some, again. He actually has done some really great films since. Oh. To Live and Die in LA is meant to be like a really good one. I haven't seen it. Right. But I did watch a film of his, Killer Joe, and that was really good. I really enjoyed that. And that was from 2011. Um, so I would like to go back through his, his movies and sort of check him out. But yeah, he does. He is. He does seem crazy and he does... I don't know, in his interviews, I always think there's something exaggerated about, you know, he's always, it's too clean now, how he makes out everything happens, if you know yeah. what I mean. Do you know Almost like mean? it was all planned that way. Yeah, I don't know. But it can't, I mean, <laughs> but, it can't yeah, possibly good been. documentaries, Raising Hell is a good one. Okay. It's like made up of behind the scenes footage um, that was filmed on the behind the scenes uh the fear of god is really good because it's quite in depth that's on the bbc at the moment on the iplayer as well and that's the full version that's the festival version of it up oh, there okay on the iplayer so might jump like on that loads of bits yeah and then i've got a book called out of the shadows by bob mccabe which is all about the making of the exorcist as well and i tell you i've watched these documentaries probably more than i watch the films there's a certain mm. amount of discs i've got where i can just some days I think I'm just going to watch all the special features yeah. on that. And um, it there's yeah, there's definitely this is one. Of I them. mean, I, I didn't have a massive amount of time after watching the film to jump in on stuff, but there's definitely always that extra bit of interest, isn't it? Once you've seen the film, to dig around it and find out what the stories yeah. were. And this one had quite a troublesome. I mean, it, again, they it sounds to me though like they took advantage of some of the. Because it was a very, it was quite a long production time, wasn't it? Yeah. So several people, a few things happened in that time. People passed away, family members and stuff like that. Wasn't anyone on the set, was there, that died? Um, well, th that's another thing that they cover in this uh, Fear of God documentary. Some, you see different people saying different things. Yeah. And you've got Ellen Bernstein, who's just like, oh my God, everyone died. <laughs> <laughs> I think nine people connected to the film died, whereas someone else says a couple of people died. The stunt bloke goes, you know, people were dying. And it wasn't just like freak accidents or anything. It was just be like the cameraman would just drop down dead, you know, just a chap behind the camera would suddenly like... Yeah, but did he die on... Die. Did he die during the film? I don't know if he died on set. Uh, there was fires and things, but they do like to. Yeah, but that I mean that works perfectly up. along the lines of the whole film set was it was all cursed. Even the making of the film yeah. was cursed because that's got people talking about it and and you know oh my god oh my god it, it must be bad and but um adds to it doesn't it? Yeah, Jason, what's his name? He played the priest, Jason Miller. Mm. He said that when he was playing the priest, uh, there was another priest because I had lots of priests involved making sure that it was authentic. You know, so it wasn't, they didn't take anything lightly in the making of yeah. this. And just like I say, William 
Blatty's book is so well researched. You know, it's not blasé at all about it. It is, it's very factual, as factual as you can get okay. making this sort of film. But uh, Jason Miller said that one priest come up to him, an elderly priest, and said, took off his like St. Christopher medallion and like give it to him and said, you, you have that and that will protect you because whenever you do anything about the devil, making out how tricky he is, you know, you need protection. And um, Jason Miller took it, wore it, thank you, Father. And he said the next time he's like walking through the catacombs of this church and then he walked past and there's like a casket and he's like, oh, was that a casket? And then he looks back and the, there's the priest that gave him the necklace, like dead. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was an old priest. Ooh. I mean, I, 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 yeah, yeah, he was a, an old I get, Yeah, I do get I mean, that. And they can add in, build it. They can say what they like, I guess, around those things. I mean, that just reminds me of um, an old, uh, chap I used to drink with in the pub many years ago. We were having a drink one night, pissed as farts. He he was a whiskey drinker and he 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 would encourage me to join him and I'd be absolutely hammered trying to lean against the bar. And he told me this story about, he said, I don't believe in God. He used to have a cravat. He said, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God at all. He said, I'll tell you why. He said, one day, he said, I, I used to have this lovely little sports car. Sports car, it was lovely. And I, I used to get pissed in the pub, drink it, drink it, you know, till God knows when, and get in the car, drive off down the road. And I went down this hill one day, and I turned the car over, rolled it, got out, walked away. Fine, not a scratch on me. He said, a week later, the vicar rode down the same piece of road on his bike, came off his handlebars, broke his neck, and dead. So fuck that for a game of soldiers. I don't believe in God. <laughs> I thought, well, Michael, you've probably got a point. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Um, I think the bloke who did play uh, Jack McGowan, uh, who played the director Burke as well, he he passed away just as just after he'd finished filming. Mm. But you know, um, I mean, that happens. I mean, I guess that happens but, with a lot of films, doesn't else? it? The, the set, the set burnt. Some of the set burnt down. Yeah. But I mean, that sort of thing happens. I mean, like Star Wars. Yeah. The sets blew away. Yeah. They never have any rain in Tunisia. The day before they filmed Star Wars. It rains, flash floods, wipe the the entire set away. What's you know? God? What's God got <laughs> so to do with Star Wars? He just he was trying to avoid Disney getting getting old of it. <laughs> well, he did do a very good job, did he? But maybe, maybe God encouraged Disney to take over because we all need to feel despair. Yeah, <laughs> I have to say that I I found it slightly interesting that old Mister Blatty, the writer, yeah, uh, was actually had written comedies previously. And I, yeah, he was a comedy writer. I, and I yeah. kind of just felt that the demon and the elements of that demonic voice and fuck off, shove it up your ass, and all that stuff, I just couldn't help but laugh when I heard. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's the child in me. Yes, it is the child in me. But I mean, some of those lines, <laughs> I, I mean, I wrote them down because your mother cooks socks in hull, isn't it? <laughs> I just thought some of them and and the way the timing of them were just absolutely brilliant. There's a bit where the priest, I wrote down, he's, he's, I cast you out, you unclean spirit. And he's all like that. He goes, shove it up your ass, you faggot. <laughs> it's just like, it's just, that's, that's comical. That is comical. I mean, the timing is just immense. It, there's just so many of them that come out. And it's the, it is just the... um. It's the voice as well. Uh, yeah, because they used a woman to do the voice, an old, an old actress called uh, Mercedes McCambridge. And she was like quite old at the time, but she had like a voice. She was, I think she was like a, an alcoholic. She'd had a lot of demons in her past, if you know what I mean. And she'd done this role and she was just chain smoking and drinking lots of whiskey. And she said she had to have her priest there to sort of get her through it so she didn't get back on the bottle. <laughs> oh she was doing God. it for art. That's incredible. No, it's it's crazy old world. But it's the it's just the <laughs> brilliance of the the priests. But God is my helper. The Lord sustains my life. Your mother sucks cocks in hell. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's just, I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I just I did. I just thought I must say timing. That, um, listening to the audiobook, it's written it's read by the author, uh, William Peter Blatty. Yeah. And he yeah. has got such a great voice 
to read this book. And when he does the discussion between Karras and the demon, oh, it's just brilliant. It really is. It's like goosebumps, you know? Yeah. It's like really good back and forth. I, I, I do like it. I do like it. I mean, he he's, he was Roman Catholic, wasn't he? Mm. And, and obviously, you know, I mean, it feels a little bit like he's actually got a chance to say some of that, perhaps some of the things he wanted to say to a priest when he was younger or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because obviously he, like you say, he came from a, a comedy background. Yeah. He was writing for, I think he wrote A Shot in the Dark with Blake Blake Edwards. Right. And he also was writing, they was making a film version of Peter Gunn and he'd written, helped write the script and they called... Peter Gunn, um, what was that, a Friday, TV show? An old TV yeah. show. Was, I don't, I know the theme it, from the Blues Brothers, but I yes, don't Yes, I was going to say that's the, uh, what's <laughs> the theme for that one? Spy Hunter, that's it, yeah. <laughs> but um, basically, Friedkin was brought into this uh, interview uh, they, the producer and uh, Blake Edwards, and then the writer was all there, and they're like, "We want you to make this, you know, direct the film of Peter Gunn." And Friedkin read through the script, and said, "No, I, I won't make that. It's crap. You know, that's the, the biggest piece of shit script I've ever read," and just slated it completely. And then as he let, they sort of fell out in the meeting that like Blake Edwards was horrified that someone would tell him that to his <laughs> face. You know, kicked him out. But then William Peter Blatty ran out after him and said, I just want to tell you that uh, I wrote that script. And he's like, yeah, well, it was it was shit. What are you writing? And he's like, I know, I know it was shit. He said, but I want to uh, just say I really appreciate your uh, your honesty. You yeah. <laughs> Blatant honesty. And then years later when he, I think it was Peter Blatty's agent said, look, when are you going to write something really good? You know, <laughs> when are you going to write something worth writing? Because you're just doing all these comedy shit. And he had this story in his head from his university days of the exorcist because it was based on a newspaper article of a true account of an exorcism back in the 40s or 50s. And it was in his head all the time. And he wrote the book and uh, he's, he thought, oh, this is, you know, if this makes a film, I know who I want to direct it. Mm. And basically, Friedkin was his third choice. And the studios didn't want Friedkin because he hadn't, you know, he's a documentary director, and yeah. probably because of his attitude as well. But then when the French Connection came out, yeah, all of a sudden, you know, it, it's won the Oscar. He's the man of the moment. William Friedkin is the man of the moment. Let's get him in. And Peter Blatty finally, you know, he held out long enough. Do you know to make sure that happened. there's a bit? We, there's a bit bits we haven't talked about. Is that whole? And I thought that that, that was fascinating. If, if nothing else but for the, the machinery and the stuff that they had back then when they were doing all the tests yeah, on on, on the girl. And um, uh, massive great machines whirring and clunking around and taking the blood out of, you know, her neck. And mm. I, I thought that was a really, uh, that was a really interesting insight into what the medical setup was back then. I don't know if it was, ex I, I imagine it was yeah. real to the sort of machinery that they had around that time and. Oh, yeah, it would have been. It would have been completely what they would have used to, yeah. you know. And that was a, a thing that people, um, the this, this bit that people were fainting at in the film mm. and people were watching it in the cinema and fainting and being sick. Apparently, it was the bit where they put the the, yeah, the, the doctors put the uh, into her artery. That, yeah, <laughs> you know, that, that would have been quite alarming, I would imagine, back then. I shouldn't imagine there was too much of that going on in, in films, you know. Oh, let's get some blood out of a kid's neck. <laughs> in the hospital you know no and it looked it looked real and I'm, i don't know if it was real or not i think it might have been real I think jesus might have just i tell done... you what judging by some of the stories we've already discussed this evening i, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if he did sever a neck to get a bit of real blood yeah i mean i often makes me think about the bit in rocky which was a few years later wasn't it 77 something like that is it rocky what am i, I like i like 79 rocky. is it rocky? and uh he's going cut me mick cut me i can't see I can't see. He goes, I don't want to cut you. I don't want to cut you. And then he cuts him and like tomato ketchup sachet and squeezes it and it sort of comes out. And you think that doesn't look like blood. It's like thick, lumpy, you know, and mm. that did, but this one did look, did, did genuinely look like a proper square of blood. So it may real, well have been, yeah. they actually did tap in there. Put Jesus. I mean, cause it's, it's the whole beginning of the film is creepy where she's got, Captain Howdy, she's talking yeah, about Yeah, yeah, you're sort of thinking, oh, and what's that like, about? But where did, I 
I, uh, so I've seen it once. Um, I didn't grasp where the demons, how the demons caught hold of her, where the demon came from. Does it explain that? Yeah, the Ouija board. She found a Ouija board. So she board. accessed the demon via the, the, the yeah, Ouija board. Yeah, and it's like, you know, um, the original case as well that the book was based on. The boy used to play with a Ouija board on his own. Right, okay. And okay. then the spirit so that's latched how onto it. And that's, that's where it comes from. And I mean, the, the Ouija board over in America is Hasbro and Mattel that make the Ouija board. Yeah, yeah I was going to say. Oh, because the mum's like, where it's did crazy, you find it? it? Oh, I found it in the cupboard. Oh, yeah, I've been playing. Oh, well, let's play yeah, it together. You can, buy it in, you can buy it in game shops over there. It's on all the shelves. It's that weird. is weird when you think about how kind of religious... America is and America's a strange place, isn't, isn't it? it? Just isn't it? Just I don't <laughs> think we need to discuss that much further. No, the the first bit where she's filming in the college, talking to the director, and you see the priest in the crowd <laughs> laughing at what she's saying, and, and she notices him, doesn't she? And then that's yeah. how she then asks about him a bit later on, isn't it? Who's that priest? The one that looks like a boxer. I yeah. didn't think he looked massively like a boxer, but there you go. His nose wasn't flat enough for my liking. No. But yeah, the Burke Dennings character in the book as well, he is just completely foul-mouthed all yeah. the way through it. It's just cunting this and cunting that. Like, yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't really say it, does he, until he's in the girl and she's, his spirit comes out of her, doesn't it? Yeah, but one thing that I... You know, I can defend this film and the effects and what have you all I want. But one thing I've never liked is the theme tune. I just don't... It At the time, it didn't seem... Well, I can't say at the time because it was the 70s, but... It's a catchy theme tune, though. It's one that sticks. It's stuck, yeah, it's isn't it? I mean, strange, it is a funny it one. It is stuck, but it doesn't feel like that But, I mean, it's, me. it's a classic know. now in terms of you hear it and you go, oh, yeah. Oh, The Exorcist. Yeah. It sort of plastered over the top of it. It's a strange piece of music. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Controversial, I suppose. But he did have a, a composer came in to do the score uh, called, I think, Lalo Schiffman. Is that what he was called? Shove your Stiffman up your anus. Ah! Sorry about that. I just Lalo Schiffman. Oh, right. Schiffman. Yeah, Lalo Schiffman. And he came in and he created the, the music. And then they got the orchestra in and they played the film behind and then he started the music and they recorded and then uh, it finished and William Friedkin went, what the fuck piece of shit was that? Get out of here. And he just kicked them all out and he got the fucking tape and he threw it across the road. (laughs) Reels of fucking tape. That's where that belongs in the fucking And then he pulled out his Casio and went, (laughs) yeah, and then he's like, go and get that LP I've just bought. Tubular bells. Tubular bells. That's exactly. Yeah, Mike exactly. Oldfield. <laughs> Love it. Uh, I don't know. It is, maybe it's. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. It, it is, is just, just me, you. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't connect. It wouldn't be something that I'd listen to and go. Yeah, it doesn't. It, God, this just it kind of fits me. as just in. A, oh, that's the Exorcist tune. But it doesn't fit in the film for me. It's too quick. No, it's too quick. It's too it pacey. Does, no. So. Feigen describes this film as a mystery of faith and Blatty says it's a supernatural detective story. I think that's how they've summed it up. I mean, in terms of horror movies, I didn't know what I was going to be watching. I didn't really know where I was going. I can't believe you haven't seen it before. No, 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 I just haven't. I mean, I'm I'm not a massive fan of horror movies. No. So very rarely do I actually take the time to watch one and and i wouldn't have chosen to watch this other than the fact that you said let's watch it and i and again i was a little bit like yeah. uh, i don't know i just i couldn't help but chuckle and i i think it's possibly because i am not catholic and i don't see <laughs> i i i see priests in a slightly different light to <laughs> going around saving people <laughs> and i think you know oh, what's that film there's that brilliant film that came out not that long ago where they uncovered all the uh, dodgy dealings of the priests, the paper one. What's that called? Spotlight. Oh, right. Yeah. So there's a, yeah. So the film Spotlight basically, you know, just highlights the, the basically what the, what a lot of the priests were doing in the church and how they buried and hid all that information. You know, and, and that's sort of my... When I think now about priests, and that's kind of a lot of the time where it, I end up kind of putting them 
<laughs> so I'm like, mm. <laughs> oh, it's a priest. Um, so I don't, I and and you know, so I don't think that there is a god, and you know, the Christian element to it. So I therefore don't see, don't buy into the idea of an exorcism and a demon, and 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 I certainly don't no. buy into the the idea that you can stand there with someone being demonically possessed and sh- and just keep saying the power of Christ compels you the power of Christ compels you for literally a minute and then it kind of goes oh all right then I'll fuck off because it doesn't and uh- <laughs> yeah, yeah but this is the thing and this is what it goes into in the book it's suggestive and for someone who's convinced themselves you know because they're looking at it psychologically yeah yeah, yeah I get even- that Father Karis is looking yes, at it psychologically. Yep. He doesn't believe no. it. He doesn't believe it. And even when the priest turns up, um, when the exorcist, Merrin, turns up, and he's like, oh, there's only one demon, Merrin says. Yeah. You know, because Karis is like, oh, do you want to know the history? No. He's like, yeah. Why? Because he, he's been there. He knows the demon. And all the way through, Karis is like, they need, if they're doing this, it's only to convince her. And it's the psychiatrists and like the doctors who suggest it. You need that and that or like, that's how you can trick into, her mind into yeah. thinking that she's got rid, rid of Yeah, these. taking it out of her, that suggestive element in her yeah. mind. Yeah, I do. I, I see that. I do see that. But yeah. But like, even like, like, like the writing coming up, stigmata and all that, there's all scientific sort of evidence for stuff like that mm. happening. And it's all in the book, but there's like, at not one point does he go, you know, believe that it's yeah, which which it good and evil, heaven and hell. Yeah, you know, what was thing, that line you know? in um, the Time Bandits, which was a similar one at the end of the? He asks him, "Why does why does evil exist? Why does evil exist?" It's a similar sort of thing, isn't it? You know, well, you need one for the other. Yeah, and I do, but I do think um, that was brought back in just by them sitting there talking about despair on the stairs. Despair on the stairs. Yeah, it sort of helped you buy into the characters for me a little bit more. So I'm glad they ad- added that 40 years later. Yeah. My favourite line in it was um, where he says about the priest says, he will lie to, com- to confuse us and he will mix lies with the truth to attack us. I yeah. just love all that. Oh, I was confused. I was confused just by that statement alone, let alone what the demon was going to try and say. <laughs> and then the demon just basically oh, said, like shove it up your so, ass. And another thing, like the, the special effects, you know, we've mentioned, but. The you know what she did? Built that Your cunting daughter. <laughs> that was like something out of freaking Monty Python. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Go on. You were saying. But like, um, you know, they had to build technologies to make. Yeah. The, you know, to get the effects and not just the effects and like the dragging of furniture across the floor or what have you but they built the studio in like they basically built in a refrigerator didn't they and they dragged it down to like 30 or 40 degrees under you know minus to get it that cold and they're all in there in like winter like they're expeditions ski ski suits and And linda blair's lying (laughs) there in her in her nighty and i just think it's great but like you see that yeah that was very good coming out that was very good like, especially great. the first time when the mum walks in she's like oh god it's cold in here she goes shuts the window there's like smoke and steam coming out of her mouth but smoke um with the scene with the swivel head as well peter blatty in the book it, she only goes round like almost yeah 180 degrees and her mum sees it and she's like doesn't believe it she's seen it or not it's like what did that yeah. happen you know whereas friedkin's like Oh no, it's got to go all yeah. the way around, which is just impossible. Well, it? yeah, it's ridiculous. she'd have been dead there, wouldn't she? Her neck would have been done for. And Blatty was always like, "No, don't put that yeah. in," you know. And that was so one the of their arguments. Fighting. But it went in, and it's one of those scenes that people remembered at the time, and people. But when you look at it, it does look too neat a swivel. Yeah, and it's like well, again, that's it. Almost sounds like a lid. Yeah. <laughs> of a jar that's the effects you know uh, I, I guess that's again that's part and parcel of where they where you were in terms of effects and stuff at the time some of it was good but some of it looked a bit clunky but they but you know it is it's great but they created this creature that, to do that with the head and then they filmed it and there's like there's something not right about it and then they all realized there's no breath coming out of the creature everyone else is breathing mist so then they went back and put some push, push air breathe out. hot vapor out 
Yeah. Um, That's clever. And then also, there's a scene where the priest, they call him when the writing comes up on her belly. Oh, does it say she, help me or get... Help me, yeah. Um, and in, in the book, it's clearly stated it's Reagan's handwriting right. that's saying it. But what I wanted to discuss here was that there's a scene there where the priest runs in and you follow him from the front door all the way up to the bedroom on the third floor. But back then they didn't have uh, steady cams. Right. So they had to build a rig and they basically hung a cameraman in a, in a chair and they swung him up over the stairs in front of it. I, like I saw, I saw a bit front. of that where they, there was that one where they were taking him up on a, yeah, almost like a pulley system where he's swinging in. And then yeah, there was one as yeah. well where they, they kind of had boards above the bed and they were filming over the top of the bed. And I was thinking, Jesus, if that snaps, those two, that cameraman and the director or wherever it was are coming down on that poor girl <laughs> on the bed. <laughs> well, the cameras well, are heavy I was going to say, yeah. So you, know? you kind of, when you go back to what we're saying about the, the injuries and the accidents and the fight, it, actually it's not surprising because they were making a lot of that stuff up as they went along, weren't they? <laughs> Stand up on exactly, there. Yeah, is it yeah. safe? Of course it is. Put a camera on him just in case it's not. And they, like the the psychiatrist where she grabs his, or the doctor, she grabs his crutch, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah. And he falls down and they had to build a rig so that the camera would follow him yeah. down. You know, now they'd have an action camera. Oh, yeah, be, yeah, exactly. I love little things like that just to try and create these interesting and original shots. To just... I like the, I, like, I love the bit. I thought the bit where she comes out and, um, she says, you're going to die up there and then pisses all over the floor. I <laughs> I thought that was good. And I, I like the way the party kind of, they all went, stop the party, stop the stop the fun. I always went, ah. Mm. <laughs> it was just their reaction yeah, because, was a little bit like. Well, she says it to the, oh. uh, to the astronaut, yeah. doesn't she? <laughs> That's what, you know, you're going to die up there. How dare she? Um <laughs> Another little interesting fact that uh, this film was edited uh, at 666 Fifth Avenue. Oh, you see, again, it's another one of those perfectly, perfect opportunities (laughs) to tie a little bit of into it. 666, imagine that. Do you think they changed the number? Do you think it was 664 and they said, let's change it so that it sounds better? Yeah, it seems strange because like, all the skyscrapers over in America don't have a 13th floor, do they? Because yeah, of superstition. Yeah. Yet they six, keep 666 six, 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 yeah. mm. Fifth Avenue. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you think to um, discuss here? No I, don't, no, I don't think so, actually. I think we've pretty nailed it there. I think, um, I, as you know, overall, if someone said, I've never seen it, I'd say, ah, watch that. Because it, it, it is a good film. Like I said, you know, going back to... Right at the start, it's the groundbreaking element to it. You know, it, people would do it. He, they were doing things there that hadn't been done before. They were trying new ideas out. You know, like we talked about a new themes, new, new themes, films that yeah, been new extremes. Yeah. You know, um, trying to push boundaries within the limits of what they were permitted to do, and they clearly pushed them in this film. You know, I mean, I joke about the demonic mm. language and stuff, but I should imagine at that time... Oh, it was just completely yeah, shocking. It was completely inappropriate, sort of you know, and you could argue that some of that language is inappropriate today. However, if you have teenagers, you will know. And that was the other thing about it. <laughs> if we, In all honesty, you know, here's a 12-year-old girl. It's a bit like uh, Kevin and Perry, you know, it's like goes up to bed at 12, comes down 13, demonic. You know, uh, we've all been there. <laughs> that happens all the time. <laughs> <Yeah. now. laughs> we've all seen that. But I think like there's been so many possession films oh, yeah. now, and I haven't seen one that you know sort of this stuff. sort of stuff back. The Exorcist was kind of at a time where perhaps people hadn't really spent a lot of time imagining this. That's the strength of it. That's the bit that's really hard to kind of grasp now. No mobiles. No internet you know genuinely not being able to watch a film because you weren't old enough to get into the cinema to see it you know you've got kids now watching 18 but films also whatever they want only being able to watch these films in the cinema yeah to watch the exorcist in a room dark yeah on a yeah. big screen with loud sound that's the way to watch it isn't it yeah you know? things like the shining as well you know stick that on a big screen mm. and smoke it yeah. stick that up your ass <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, Rob, thanks ever so much uh, for joining pleasure. me and for watching The Exorcist. So you know you don't like to do horrors yep, as no, well. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it, like, again, like I say, sometimes, you know, for me, it's all about, if I really like a film, I'll go back and watch it again. I got a feeling I'm going to watch this one again. And, hmm. I, and I also have a feeling I'm going to source, uh, dig the book out. So thanks, everyone, for joining us for another week. If you want to get in touch with us, suggest any films. If you want to comment, Stick it up your you ass. check us out on Facebook, on as I said, Instagram, Your mother eats cheese. YouTube, TikTok. Go stuff your nose with TikTok. You can email us at wnmovietalk at gmail.com. Or you can shame us on YouTube by pointing out how badly out of touch we are with things. Cool. All right, everyone. See you all next time for another film. Thank you. Cheese. <laughs> oh, stop it. Stop it.